0: welcome to the laurie lawrence podcast stuff the silver we're going for gold this podcast came about by me wanting to value add to my online swim teacher and coaching platform worldwideswimschool.com it was simply an idea that i'd read and share chapters of the two books that i'd written about my eight olympic games adventures and When I run out of chapters, I'd interview some of the great sportsmen and sportswomen that I'd encountered over the 50 years of my international coaching career. Tell your friends, if it helps one person expand their lives a little or achieve their dreams, it will have served the purpose. If it doesn't do this, try at least to remember, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. Champions come in all shapes and sizes. David Birkhoff. I flashed my precious Olympic ID to two Korean security guards. I tipped my Akubra and hurried downstairs anxious for my first close-up inspection of the Seoul Olympic racing pool. Meanwhile, the other members of the Australian Olympic team of 1988 were settling into the high-rise unit blocks that would be their home. home to 370 very proud Aussies for the next couple of weeks. Swimmers, shooters, athletes, yachtsmen, basketballers, weightlifters, boxers, doctors, physios, masseurs, coaches, administration staff, all these people had gathered together as a team, striving for the sport's great prize, an Olympic gold medal. I couldn't wait. I just had to get out and inspect the racing venue. I wanted to soak up this Olympic atmosphere. I needed to be completely at home, totally comfortable with the surrounds when my swimmers arrived. I wanted to exude confidence to them. I had to have them believe that this pool was going to give them the opportunity to display their talents, their fitness and their ability to the world the persistence and dedication that they had shown in becoming australian olympians would be fruitless if they could not go on and achieve their personal best results historically many notable winners have encountered heartbreaking obstacles and overcome many defeats these sort of people push on against pressures that seem insurmountable at times but By sheer persistence, they triumph. Many of my young Olympic Chargers were now on the brink of realising their goals. I must help them, I thought. I must give them stability, reassurance and confidence. I must give them a stable platform on which they can build a super performance. I have to be relaxed. I have to show them that I am in control. I had to ensure that all the hard work that they'd done over many, many years would not be in vain. I must not be mentally brittle now, and they cannot afford to be mentally brittle. Preparation was about to meet opportunity. This was their big moment. Once downstairs past the grim-faced security guards, I strode halfway along the beautiful 50-metre warm-up pool. It was already seething, alive with finely tuned, beautifully proportioned international swimmers. I pushed past six to eight sombre, gruff-voiced East German female swimmers. They were locked in a team meeting with an even more sombre coach. They had commanded four massage tables beside the warm-up pool. Don't upset them, I thought, and turned sharp left through a swinging door onto the competition pool deck. Act confidently, I told myself. Wear the green and gold with pride. Remember what your wife said and don't make a goose of yourself. Better to say nothing and be thought a fool than to open your big mouth and actually be a fool. Keep quiet. Keep your mouth shut and observe. The competition pool was breathtaking. I'd seen it only 12 months earlier as a hole in the ground with... Hundreds of busy Korean workers swarming over it like ants at a picnic. I couldn't believe the transformation. Today, clear water sparkled. Colourful, non-turbulent lane ropes stretched the length of the pool to separate dueling countries. Television lights lit the area more brightly than the best Aussie sunny day. Brightly-hued backstroke flags stretched across the pool, adding to the spectacle. The atmosphere was one of expectancy and urgency as coaches from the Four Nations allotted pool time marched along the deck barking instructions and calling times to their charges. I looked at the pool timetable. America, Fiji, China and West Germany. These were the countries assigned to the competition pool, while East Germany shared the warm-up pool with Ireland, Hong Kong and Great Britain. (laughs) There's Mu, the Chinese national coach. I wonder who that Hispanic-looking coach is. He looks pretty mean. Thoughts flashed through my mind. Randy! I yelled as I spotted an old American sparring partner and mate, Randy Reese, on the pool deck. Reese! One of America's most innovative coaches nodded briefly and went right on concentrating on his athletes. As I had none of my own swimmers to worry about just yet, I wandered over to exchange pleasantries. Any winners this time, Randy? I asked. Maybe, he grunted. Who's your best chance? I asked again. Nesty, he grunted. But he's not an American. No, but he's my swimmer. Now, I'll have no winners at all if you don't piss off and leave me to concentrate on them, said Randy. Okay, Randy, hint taken, I'll see you in the dining hall. I walked on, looking for someone else to annoy, then turned, unable to resist one final friendly dig. Randy? Yes, he scowled. Nesty can't beat beyondy. We'll see, bloody Aussie. See you tonight, was my parting remark. I walked off, soaking up the Olympic atmosphere. The great sprinter, Matt Biondi, strolled by. The Americans expected him to do a Mark Spitz, winner of seven gold medals at the 1972 Munich Olympic Games. Biondi was a magnificent physical specimen, a two-metre-tall giant with large hands, large feet, and a beautifully proportioned body with great muscle tone and definition. He had the perfect swimming body. I watched him enter the water and push off. His technique was poetry in motion. He glided through the water effortlessly, and I knew it would take a superhuman effort to beat him. But to beat him was the stuff that Olympic dreams are made of. Just then, a slight and skinny kid struggled by, carrying a homemade canvas bag almost as big as himself i watched him fascinated physically he was a complete contrast to beyondy this kid was quite small he had a build that wouldn't attract even a second glance from the ladies this bloke shouldn't be here i thought then immediately admonished myself even daring to comment on someone's olympic aspirations banjo patterson's poem flashed to mind and I'm just going to read a little bit out of that poem. And one was there, a stripling on a small and weedy beast. He was something of a racehorse undersized, With a touch of Timor pony, three parts thoroughbred at least, And such as are by mountain horsemen prized. He was hard and tough and wiry, Just the sort that won't say die. There was courage in his quick, impatient tread, and he wore the badge of gameness in his bright and fiery eye, and the proud and lofty carriage of his head. But still so slight and weedy, one would doubt his power to stay, and the old man said, That horse'll never do for a long and tiring gallop lad. You'd better stay away. Those hills are far too rough for such as you. So he waited, sad and wistful. Only Clancy stood his friend, I think we ought to let him come, he said. I warrant he'll be with us when he's wanted at the end, for both his horse and he are mountain bred. Clancy had faith in this skinny kid i mused. Then I turned my attention to the skinny kid. I was fascinated. I watched him zip open the large canvas bag and shake out a homemade flipper contraption in the shape of a whale's tail It was approximately a metre wide with a double shoe big enough for two feet. Once his feet slipped into the shoe, he looked like a merman. What's he trying to prove, I thought to myself. If he's trying to get attention, he's certainly achieving that. This fool, the only one in the whole Olympic pool with a giant whale's tail on his feet. He's a bloody idiot, I thought. The intriguing young man slid into the crystal clear water and headed towards the bottom like a sea mammal at play. He moved effortlessly, dolphin kicking on his back, then on his side and his front. He was like a beautiful whale or dolphin free in the ocean. He surfaced every ten metres to snatch a quick breath before diving to the bottom once more to emulate the man from Atlantis. This was interesting and exciting stuff. I watched, fascinated, for ten minutes before reaching the conclusion that what I was observing was a useless, fruitless exercise for competitive swimming. It might have been okay in the Whit Sundays or on the Great Barrier Reef, but at the Olympic Games? No, give me a break. I looked around for someone to talk to. Moo, the Chinese head coach, was the closest. Hey, Moo, have a look at this goose. He thinks he's flipper, I called. Good? Goose Flipper Speak slowly Speak slowly, please, said Moo in his broken English. It was then that I felt a hand grip my elbow and lead me away. It was my old mate, Randy Reese. Lorry, buddy, he said, not so loud. That goose is David Burkoff, the new world record holder for the hundred meters backstroke. That skinny kid? I asked incredulously. Laurie, that skinny kid is the closest thing to a fish I've ever seen, declared Randy. At our Olympic trials, he did most of the race underwater. He only came up for a breath three times. He goes the first forty meters completely submerged. I'll introduce you to him when he's finished. Thanks, Randy. He really uses that big flipper well, doesn't he? I replied feebly. Later, I spoke to a remarkable young man with high aspirations. A young man determined to become a pioneer in the sport of backstroke. David Burkoff was a man with vision. He was one of those rare individuals who prefer to soar with eagles, to be a leader, and blaze trails into the unknown. He would prefer to do this rather than be content to follow the established system of stability and often mediocrity. He was a trailblazer. One week later at the pool, I watched Birkhoff thrill the world with his innovative backstroke style and underwater expertise. I was fascinated by his underwater dolphin duel with the great Suzuki, Japan's champion. This happened in the final of the 100 meters backstroke, I saw Burkhoff slip on his start and shared his disappointment when Suzuki triumphed. Suzuki lowered Burkoff's colours that day. Later, I rejoiced for Burkhoff when, as lead-off swimmer for the American USA, he conquered Suzuki and broke his own world record. He then accepted his Olympic gold medal as part of the winning and world-record-breaking x 100 meters relay team. Life is a continual learning experience for people with open minds. Thank you, David Berkoff, for teaching me to never prejudge any athlete, no matter how unlikely he or she may look. You showed me that size is no barrier to success. What counts is the bite in the dog. Dreams do come true if we persist, and often the only limits are those of our vision. Persistence beats all. My mind flashed back to that young man in the poem, The Man from Snowy River, and he ran them single-handed till their sides were white with foam. He followed like a bloodhound on their track till they halted, cowered and beaten and he turned their heads for home and alone and unassisted brought them back. Greatness often comes from opening the mind to possibilities. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Stuff the Silver. We're going for gold. To stay up to date with all episodes, please subscribe to this podcast. For more information, visit LaurieLawrence.com.au It's